Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Today on the show, we will be talking about the blunt feedback from a shatran. Before we start the episode, I'd like to invite you to participate in a survey. What issues do you think our Jewish community should prioritize? Nishma Research, which is headed by Mark Trencher, a former guest on this podcast, is conducting a broad communal survey, which has a lot of thought-provoking topics such as beliefs, practices, how people relate to their shul, their role of women, Israel, Aguno, Tznias, family planning, and more. Plus, you will be able to enter to win one of 10 $100 Amazon gift cards. So to take part of this survey, just click on the link in the show notes or enter bit.ly slash jewish-community-2023 in your address bar. This is a one-time opportunity, so I hope you are listening so you can partake in the survey. And of course, we will link the survey results once we have them completed. Next, you can be a sponsor of the show. Just reach out. We can spread the message of your brand, your organization, your work. And I'm happy to offer my platform for your cause and services. So just reach out. You can also sponsor the podcast, the Ilunishma, someone, or for any other cause. Next, if you are thinking of launching a podcast, I have a DIY course that you can take on your own time, which takes you step by step and gets you to your launch. And this is a Jewish coffee house podcast. So this means that there are other podcasts on the network that you may enjoy as well. And please make sure you are following the show or subscribed to the show wherever you get it to make sure you don't miss a notification and check out the backlog of this podcast because we have years of fascinating topics covered on the show. Let's get started. Welcome to the Francisca Show. Today with us, we have Sarah Dina Katz, a listener, a participant, a shatran. And today we are here to talk about the nitty-gritty, the inside scoop in the shidduch, in the Parsha business. You get the, the shatran crown for setting my sister up as well. <laughs> so welcome to the show. She was one of the best, the best of the best. I mean, everybody was the best of the best. If they're happy, of course, afterwards, then they stay the best. But um, hers was quite a fun one. Let's get started first and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and then we'll go into the fun. I'm sure your life is fun too, but then we'll go into the topic of our conversation today. I will try to do it in brief. I grew up, I've lived in Israel now for 36 years. I basically came when I finished high school. My father was an old time rabbi, which meant that we lived in all these really little cities, New Orleans, Louisiana, Memphis, Tennessee, Savannah, Georgia, Providence, Rhode Island. And one of the things that was very much so a part of my growing up was meeting people and talking to people, being the rabbi's daughter, you know, always the uh, entertaining household. So when I had to decide, like, what do I want to do when I want to grow up? You know, it was very much so how will I be able to be involved in some capacity of communal work? I have degrees in Jewish education, philosophy. I have a background in psychology and counseling. And to a large extent, over the years, I sort of mixed all my different traits and hobbies to both be involved in education. I'm married to a rabbi, so I'm also a rabbitson, um, who has a yeshiva. And for many years, I taught in seminaries and was an assistant director of a very well-known school until very recently. And um, now I'm actually back to my roots a little bit, planning on spending a little bit more time trying to make shiduchim and doing some counseling and some dating coaching, which I think in today's day and age is very necessary. <laughs> okay, so that was very brief indeed. Thank you again so much for agreeing. I want to state for the record that I've asked many successful Shatchanim to come on to the podcast. And I told them what I want to talk about. And I got a lot of rejection. So thank you for having this conversation, because I'd like to bring out the stuff that you probably don't want to share with people, the behind the scenes. If we had to categorize people, like when somebody comes to you and they call you up, hi, Sarah Dina, Mrs. Katz, 
Find yes. me a shidduch or find my child a shidduch. And tell us also what demographic of Jewish people you work with. How do you categorize them in order to pair them? So what, okay. what boxes do you create? Do you Obviously, to... everybody's out of the box. And everyone I, I love that. And you should know Thank when you. people say that I'm out of the box, I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? Or it's the same. Which same box are you out of? <laughs> exactly. It's the same line of like, you know, I need a thinker and I'm very philosophical. So sometimes I'll just be a little sarcastic and I'll be like, oh, philosophical. Like, do you read Kant? And, you know, someone will look at me and will be like, who's Kant? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, so, okay, so you're not in that group of philosophy. Exactly. You mean you like to think you have, you like to think in Makhshava or whatnot. I do have a bit of a sense of humor. And if people don't get it, then usually they won't come back. So uh, I'm going to start with the way you started the question, which is, is that when a mother or a young adult calls me, even though I love talking to people and possibly making, you know, new friends, the first thing that I ask her, and sometimes it's a father, is when they tell me that I'd like to find, like you to help me to find a shidduch for my son or my daughter, I always ask them, does your son or your daughter know that I, that you've called me? And the minute they say no, so I say, I just want to tell you how I work. And this is very not time efficient, but for the way that I feel that I can contribute to people getting married and having healthy relationships and healthy marriages. And to the extent, whatever little, little part I can do at the beginning of the process, I always say, okay, well, how old is your child? Now, if a child is 19, a girl, a young woman is 19, I may not hassle the mother. It's <laughs> not that I hassle, but I may not make it so difficult for her. But certainly once we're dealing with a guy and a you know, young woman in their 20s, already been dating for a few years, I just say, you have to know, I only set people up who I'm able to meet. It is a very, very rare circumstance that I'm willing to, that I'm willing to try to set someone up if I haven't met them face to face. So if the parent says, no, I can't let my kid know that I'm calling a shadchan, it already sets off, you know, some red lights. And it's interesting, like what boxes do you tick off? That could be in all different types of types of Judaism, meaning it's not necessarily only in a yeshiva world or in a more modern world. It's a certain type of an interaction, you know, between parent and child or lack of interaction between parent and child. So it's first and foremost, very important to me that the person who's coming to me is self-aware and wants to come. And the reason why they want to come is because they're looking to find somebody who fits them. What kind of boxes do I tick off? So unlike Shadchanim uh, that may meet massive amounts of people or meet people in a very, very short period of time. Maybe they're meeting for seven to 10, maximum 15 minutes. You know, sometimes they'll even have the young man or the young woman, you know, uh, tick off uh, modern Orthodox, Yeshivish, uh, YU Machmir, <laughs> you know, Hasidish, but light, whatever it is. I don't like doing that because I really try to stay away from stereotypes to the best of my ability in the world that we live in as things become more and more and more specialized on a both on a technological way it affects the way that we think and so most people you know sort of put themselves into a box even though that's not necessarily so healthy um, obviously in the course of the interview which could be anywhere between 40 minutes and an hour I you know talk to them about their background their parents background what kind of an educational system that they go through certainly you know in Israel where religiosity is a little more uh, polarized than it is in America. Although I think in the States and in other places, it's also somewhat polarized, just maybe not as much. And so it's important for me to hear from them where they see themselves. Um, and yes, a lot of people will say that they're open-minded. And then I'll ask them for examples. What does it mean that you are a Haredi American who's open-minded, who's looking for a guy who's sitting and learning. <laughs> you know, it could mean a lot of different things and there are a lot of different categories. And obviously those nitty gritties, it's sort of silly for me to try and set someone up with a guy who has a career in law if really what she wants is a guy who's sitting and learning. So you do have to sort of tick off some boxes. So I would say the hashkafa that people have, the religiosity levels that people have, family backgrounds, types of schooling, depending upon the person, especially if they're older and they're single and they're in the world, political views, 
you know, that can be a horrible date if you really have a strong liberal sitting with somebody who is very conservative. And obviously, I don't ask that to everybody. But if it comes up in the course of the hour, I may very well, because a certain philosophy may be very contradictory to another person's philosophy. So I'll give you another example. I don't often ask if you're a vegetarian, but sometimes something comes up where it's sort of clear to me that they're vegetarian. And then I'll say, is it based upon philosophical reasons, health reasons, or you just don't like meat? Because, I mean, maybe it's not funny. Like if you really have a carnivore who Shabbos and during the week and Malava Malka is all about meat and someone is philosophically, a woman is philosophically against meat, like they could have so much in common, but it usually won't work. So lots of boxes to be ticked. <laughs> I, I like how you went a little bit beyond what school you went to <laughs> and what what tablecloths your mother uses. Again, I'm a little bit more of a, a boutique shadchan than, you know, the one that just people are sending me uh, resumes from all over the place. Like I said, if I can't meet them, then it just doesn't do it for me. Do you meet them over and Zoom? Does that qualify? So now, you know what? Well, in the day, it was Skype. Let's, let's age ourselves, right? And it was Skype. And then once COVID hit, I did start meeting over Zoom. If someone lives in Israel, I still prefer to meet face-to-face, -face, both men and women. I just find that it's harder to build a connection. Actually, what I say to the mothers is I'm saving you pain. I'm saving you time because there are people who I have met and many of them who maybe I'll never set up because, you know, if I don't think it's a great idea, I just, I don't have the volume. There are some women that do only this and they use it also as their livelihood. Part of their livelihood is continually having the numbers of people going out. The higher the percentage, you know, hopefully if it's in the ballpark, something will work. And the mother's in the wholesale point, factory. It, to a certain extent, I'm not being critical. I understand it. And they're also doing it lishma. And they also miss many bedtimes because they're on the phone with a hysterical person. And yes. But they treat it like a numbers game. That's the strategy. It's, it is to a certain, right. And yeah. it is to a certain extent also for the livelihood. Like it's not really economical for me to meet with somebody for an hour and I'm not compensated for it. There are some people who ask for money to meet. I just feel in terms of the Hebrew word is yashrut, of just being fair. If I have no idea if I'm ever going to be able to set you up, it's not fair for me to take money because I can't promise you anything. It's not a business deal here. I, it could very well be that I'll just never meet someone that's, that's appropriate for you. Or maybe I'll set you up with somebody and it's a bad date. Then you want your money back. I would rather, and for me, and the truth is, this was always the long, the tradition of a shabchan wasn't, yes, you, if somebody gets married, you compensate them and it's a gift. It was in different cultures, you know, over the last 500 years, it played more of a role, less of a role uh, in terms of a compensation, but I don't view it as a business. And so therefore, for me, really getting to know the person um, is much more important. And the truth is, is that it saves the parents a lot of time because I've, I've answered all the, most of the questions that a mother is going to get answered by randomly calling somebody she doesn't know. And I got it from the source rather than getting it from a neighbor who may have some subjective reason to either be nice or be less nice. What are the most difficult realities that you deal with as a shadchan? And let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Let's say more women are approaching you or people on behalf of women are approaching you rather than men or like divorce in the family or illness in the family or the young woman is overweight or any mental disabilities, maybe physical disabilities. What are the realities when people come to you? We spoke about this with Ellie Portal on that podcast. He has a physical disability and he didn't like that there was this assumption that he's obviously going to marry someone with a physical disability or some kind of disability. So let's just, when, when somebody comes to you, let's say they're overweight, they're coming with their pecola and, and you are making <laughs> your arrangements or your brain is starting to think of ideas, your computer yes. of names. So what are the, the most difficult realities that you go through? And then sometimes you have to educate the people that come to you. Right. To so I'm, them. you know, I, I think that the, one of the few reasons that I think that I am still a shadchan 
and trying to help people to, uh, you know, find their match and to bring happiness into the world is really that I'm ultimately a very optimistic person. If you're not optimistic and you don't, be- you don't have faith in humanity, you should not be involved in Shidduchim because if you are, you're just bitter or angry or frustrated. So it took me a while to learn to get rid of many of the frustrations that I had about some of the topics that have come up that are very aggravating that you spoke about. So I'll start and let's just call a spade a spade. In general, in the religious world, right? And religious world doesn't mean there's not a difference of yeshivish. It doesn't make a difference Haredi. It doesn't make a difference modern Orthodox, Hasidus. I have never, ever, ever had a guy men are going to hate me. <laughs> Never had a guy walk out of my house before he said to me, by the way, Mrs. Katz, she needs to be pretty. Some of them will say she needs to be athletic. Like if we're, if we're still sitting at the table and, you know, I asked you, you know, are you athletic? Do you do exercise? He'll always use that, you know, and I sort of give them that the opportunity so that they don't have to feel embarrassed to say what's on their mind and they don't, which is, is that an athletic person likes to look at or go out with or hang out with another athletic person. Yes, both men and women who are overweight, very much so overweight, objectively overweight, have more of a difficulty, if that fact is known, getting a shidduch with someone who is not also overweight. You hear the mother of a boy who will say, he's very big, but he's built that way. It's not that, (laughs) right? Even though objectively... I don't know if he's that big, meaning now he looks that big because he's probably 50 pounds overweight on both sides. And I really, I think that we hear about it more by the women. Part of that is, is that a woman is more, much more sensitive to, you know, body image and maybe less likely or less able to stop eating for three months like a guy can and shed 20 or 30 pounds. I know many, many men that before they start Shidduchim, they go to the gym for months, they don't eat, and they're 30 to 40 pounds less. And within six months of them being married, they are back to their overweight weight. Like many, many, many guys. I'll tell you a funny story. There was a guy who I met that had a foreign accent, but he spoke to me in Hebrew. Very big guy. Like he could be a football player twice over. And he said to me, Geveret Gatz, Ani Ohev Uga. Ani Ohev Uga. I love cake. And it's okay if she loves cake. We can love cake together. (laughs) And it was the only guy, I can't say if I've met a thousand people more. I mean, I've been doing this for close to 20 years. And he said, this is the way I am. Now, what was interesting was that the girl that I wanted to set him up with was not as large as him, but was large. And she was having a very, very hard time going out with what we would call a normal guy. She was getting set up because she was larger. She was getting set up with socially unaware, you know, guys and strange people and guys that had no, no personality, totally not right on any level. But those were the guys that were willing to go out because they had many dates. And she was very, very upset. So I went to go speak to her mother and I said to her mother, I have this great idea, but He's, he's big, he's tall, and he's very full. And I know, because I knew this girl for a while, I know that the weight conversation is one that nobody ever wants to have because she's already old enough that if she wanted or could lose half of her body weight, she could have chosen to, if she could. Again, we, all, we understand metabolism much better than we did 20 years ago. Uh, there's much more science to the fact that it's not always so easy for everyone. There's hormonal imbalances and whatnot. In any case, so she said, listen, speak to her, but good luck. And I had a very long, because I had had somewhat of a a little personal relationship with her, I didn't do it over the phone. She happened to live close enough that we could meet somewhere in the middle. And I said to her, he's everything that you tell me that you're looking for, but he's very large. He's very big. He's very tall. And she looked at me and she started to cry. And she's like, I just can't, I can't. And what came out of that conversation, and therefore my background in psychology and counseling definitely, you know, was very useful, was that she didn't have a positive body image of herself. 
And she had probably been told since the time she has sisters, probably been told since the time that she was 10, you have to lose weight. You have to lose weight. You don't look good. Who knows what? And she had a really hard time acknowledging the fact that it was going to be okay and that somebody was going to love her just the way she was. And it was one of those amazing love stories. The first date went and he was like, wow, she's amazing. And she was like, it's okay. It's a little hard. And I another pep talk. Let's talk about just talk. Look at his eyes. Look at his smile. Just talk about the things that you never have been able to talk about. She was already in her late 20s. Never been able to talk about with any other guy. And just see if it can feel good. Just forget the extras. You know, I didn't even get into the religious side, the spiritual side. No, you have to like a person, right? Chemistry can build. They came back from the second date. The mother called me at like after midnight and was like, have you heard from them? They're both adults, right? And I'm like, no, she didn't come home. I'm like, listen, she's 27 years old. She's allowed to stay out if she wants. Needless to say, don't do this, children. But by the third date, even though they didn't get engaged, they wanted to get engaged. And it was one of those, obviously, they're Haredi and they're coming from a background where it's a little more normal. And yes, they did date longer, but like the third date sealed the deal and then they went out, you know, just having a nice time with each other. You know what she said to me? She's like, it's so nice that in Israel, Fridays are our Sundays. Like every Friday we sit, the kids are gone. You know, she told me a few years later, we make a big breakfast for ourselves and we just enjoy each other's company, you know? And when you compare that to the the woman that always feels that, okay, I'm not going to have pancakes and syrup and this and that. And, you know, I go out and I'm munching on my salad and you don't, not saying that everybody eats that way, doesn't enjoy their food, but it didn't make a difference. And it didn't make a difference. And time did its own. And she had children, thank God. And your body changes. And he realized that the weight wasn't good for him. And together, you know, together they slimmed down. They're not by no means thin, but it didn't, totally doesn't make a difference. And it's, it is it is very sad that too many people are judged by their weight. I'll just say one other thing that I always notice. I go to America a few times during the year. And one of the most amazing things to me when I'm in a non-Jewish environment, whether or not it's you know in Manhattan, at a play, or if I'm in the mall, is that you see couples of all shapes and sizes and colors, right, together. And within the religious world, within the Jewish religious world, it's just something that you don't find as much. And it, it's a little bit of a, of a criticism of ourselves that with all the talk of what's on a spiritual level and looking at the person for who they really are, there is unfortunately a lot of emphasis on the external. And if in the non-Jewish world they can fall in love and one is tall and one is really short and one is heavier and one is one skin color or whatever, and not saying everybody, not saying, you know, that the uh, non-Jewish world is good even, <laughs> but in this regard, you see something that you don't necessarily usually see within our culture. Okay. Money is a very tricky thing. Yes. And how do you approach that? Do people say it outright? We're looking for somebody who's going to support the kids. First, I want to say that the question of money is not only a Haredi issue. I have followed long enough <laughs> on your podcast and uh, chats and seen enough articles up to the kazoots, you know, uh, damning the, you know, the yeshiva community or the Haredi community that uh, they're squeezing all this money out of the father-in-laws or out of whatever. In, in general society also, meaning in modern Orthodox world, and honestly, even in just the secular world, finances play a role. For example, there's a reason why, um, you know, certain types of families uh, that settled in Manhattan only married within one another, right? There's a reason why marriages that were made in, even in the Middle Ages and more modern times, were also business deals, right? They were. It's just, it's just a fact, whether or not it was the royalty, royalty exactly, royalty and aristocracy, the king and a, two kings from different um, from different nations would come together and really they were just making a peace treaty. Right. And the way that they signed the peace treaty and or an economic treaty was by marrying 
they are children to one another. So economics is not something which is specifically within a Haredi world. And I think that the Haredi world gets a, a worse rep because I think it's more obvious there, but it, it isn't that it... Also, they pretend like it doesn't matter. Correct. It's all about Torah yes. and Kolo yes. and children. At the end of the day, though, not. today, it is very expensive to live. And it's not only expensive to live in Israel, but it's very expensive to live in America, meaning there was a time when that wasn't the case. Um, so economics do play a role if the families and or the boy or the young man right, have a certain expectation of a certain lifestyle, meaning... If a, we'll start with the Haredi world, if someone is planning on learning long-term, there is just a simple reality that it is virtually going to be impossible for a single salary family, i.e. the wife working, to be able to make enough to not just get them started, but also to put a real roof over their head. And that is, to a large extent, what became part of the customary discussions in more religious circles of, certainly in Israel, of how are our kids going to live? Not as much how are they going to make it month to month, because until more recently, the Orthodox Jewish world didn't have that much money. In other words, if we go back, if we go back 50 years, my, my father's generation, he was born in 1947, he was the first one to go to college in his family, right? In other words, it was wasn't that long ago, right? The idea of Kolel is not even 40 years old in that sense for a lot of people. So buying an apartment or putting a down payment to an apartment becomes essential. Now, I know what everybody is thinking, yes, but why does it all have to be on the female side? And the truth of the matter is, is that it doesn't have to only be on the female side. But if you're in a culture where the norm is that a boy who is planning on sitting and learning is in need or expecting, you can use it, you can use whatever language you'd like of being able to sit and learn long-term. And that means having a roof over your head. So if you want to be part of the system, you got to play the game of the system. You can't be on a monopoly board and want to play chess. Just not going to work. So as much as, you know, we could then go and discuss the societal, the societal issues, but the truth is, is that it becomes a very large stereotype that certainly more and more today is not always true. In Israel, in the olden days, when it didn't cost so much to buy an apartment, people used to talk about this idea of Sidor Malay, a full deal. Oh, and my son is going to get an apartment. Well, you know what? That was when apartments cost $50,000 and people had grandparents who $50,000 was like their college education. They moved to Israel. They didn't go to college. So they got the money, you know, not that it's only about Hutznikim and people from outside of, of Israel, but the economics were different. Today, the economics are as such that the amounts of money that theoretically a family may want for their son are just not realistic. So I have to be very honest with you, and it's self-selecting. In general, I don't have that many people that I deal with that are high rollers, <laughs> meaning even if they have the ability, they're looking for a partner, they're looking to share, they're looking to do it together. They're not demanding. Now, obviously, it's self-selective who comes to me. But part of it is, and I know this, and I feel really bad saying it, people aren't always honest in this regard. Let's say if I know someone because I sat with the boy or I spoke for a long time with one of the parents, and I know how much they have put away, or even for their daughter, right? Whoever it is, I know, because it comes up, it comes up. I usually will have to ask. It will depend. Again, I, I only have to ask if someone says to me, we, my son is planning on learning long-term or the girl side says we want somebody who's learning long-term because that's part of the deal. Meaning I'm not making it up. It's part of the system. So if it's part of the system, it's the last question I ask, but it definitely becomes part of it because otherwise they won't get a date. In other words, if somebody wants you to be able to put in for X amount for an apartment, you can't lie and just say, oh, don't worry about it. And unfortunately, there are intermediaries. I don't want to use the word shotgun because I don't, you know, I'm not, nobody's being pointed to, but there are intermediaries that many times will just say, oh, you'll work that out. As if to say, don't worry about it. But the fact is, is that it's a little bit unfair because 
it's if it's something that's expected, it should already be out in the front. And the truth is, if you don't want to play the game, then you have to veer a little bit away from what the system expects. And I, I have had more than one occasion where I know that a certain guy will go out with a certain girl and it was shocking to me because from both sides, I knew that one side expected a certain amount of money in order to put down for an apartment. And I knew, let's say, that the girl's side did not have that amount of money. And I knew it. So, you know, in my mind, it's like, okay, so who didn't tell the truth? Because if the mother told me the truth, so why wouldn't she have told the other shotgun the truth? Or maybe the other shotgun didn't ask. Or maybe she fudged it a little bit. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But there are some very sad stories where before the young couple has even gotten started, the whole financial reality becomes complicated. And, and if we go back to our historical reality, that's what real matchmakers and predetermined weddings, in other words, however you say that, that, you know, people who are, are set up and all you basically have to do is just figure out if you like each other finances is part of it and you should know if you move to the if you move to the modern orthodox community i cannot tell you again without giving away details but i have thousands of students and i hear stories all the time i can't begin to tell you how many parents would say to a daughter i can't believe you're going to marry a teacher i'm not even talking about being in clean you're going to marry a teacher your father's a doctor your mother is a lawyer your brother is an engineer what kind of standard of life are you going to have? And yes, there are parents, especially if the kids didn't necessarily meet from a shidduch. They may have met casually, or even if it's a shidduch, they're meeting because friends are setting them up. The parents aren't involved. And parents are very disappointed when the prospective son-in-law doesn't make the type of living that they expect. So it's on all ends. <laughs> And more to that, if you send your kids to seminary and they get inspired and they want to go into Kiro or they want to teach, it's not necessarily just the person they're marrying. It's their child who's choosing a career path mm -hmm. that's less lucrative than the ones they chose for themselves. That is very true. And that's very hard. And the truth is, is that one could say that. I mean, the last 10 years, it's different about living in Israel. But certainly 30 years ago and even 20 years ago, you made a choice to live in Israel and you could be a lawyer. You were still not making a lot of money. <laughs> There's a lot of fields here that, that don't, but it's a lifestyle choice. And, you know, I really believe I'm also a parent of three married children, four adult children, but three married children. You could do as much as you can do for your kids and then you can only help them to the extent that you can. And hopefully, and certainly in my experience, I don't find that kids demand from their parents. Right. I know people that their parents didn't have or their parents didn't want to give and they decided to live in Israel in the day when, you know, salaries were super low and they just lived simply and it was it was their choice. So it works on both sides, meaning it's okay if you wanted your child to have a higher economic standard, but don't make them feel bad about their choice. And I think that the so but there's low standard of living and then there is I can't afford my kids because I never thought about it. So, OK, that's already a different. And I agree. I understand what you're saying. I think that that's already a topic that's beyond the scope of Shidduchim. Yes. Is there sometimes a cycle of poverty? Yes. Do I think that today, 2022, that exists less? A hundred percent. Because within the community, where it's still more normal to learn in Kolel, the amount of time and years that people can afford to learn in Kolel is just smaller, just because of the way that the economics are. And it doesn't make a person a less good Jew. It's just part of a reality that not everybody can afford to sit and learn. And if your parents are willing to help, that's wonderful. That's a Yisachar and Zvulin. That's a partnership where the person that is supporting with a desire to support is now receiving half of your, if, you know, if one believes in the world of reward, you're getting half of the reward of that, of that Torah learning. And that's great. And if you have to do it on your own, so you figure it out. You know, I know people, it's hard to imagine, but learn 10 years on their own with kids and yes, living in, in cramped situation, but are very, very happy. And when the time came, you go to work, you do what you need to do. But again, I think that that's already off our topic. <laughs> I just want to add one point before we move mm -hmm. on. As you're saying, you know, the way it's set up 
and we're working within the system, the girl's side is going to have to create the money for the apartment, whether they have it or not. And the only thought that comes to my mind, I'm a mother of three daughters. I do not live in Israel and my husband does work. So the expectations may be different and it's just my heart breaks for all the people who find out at their birth or the ultrasound that they're having yet another girl and the system is just rigged against them because a parent of only boys now does not have to worry about anything except for making sure their kids are on track with their Torah learning. Yeah. So I'll say two things. First of all, the system today has totally changed. It's much more normal today that because of the financial reality and because most families have boys and girls. And like you said, unless you only have boys, you know, you don't really have the luxury of sort of demanding something for your son if you're not going to be able to, within the system, do the same for your daughter. Again, even just in terms of your, your own psychological wellness, like are, who are you fooling? So much more so. If you had a daughter, what would you be providing? And that's exactly the type of family you'll be read to. Exa similar, correct. And what we're finding in the Haredi world, again, that's more so where this goes on and obviously in the Hasidic world also, but it's a little bit different in the Hasidic world, but there is also a financial element to it, is that the vast majority of boys' parents are also asked to contribute. May not be as much, but it's definitely something. Meaning I have had many, many girls' families say no to me, that they don't want their daughter going out with a particular boy if the boy's family is not willing to contribute a certain amount. Whatever that certain about amount is. apartment or yeah, no. to just living? Well, both. Expenses. Meaning it depends on the situation. One of the things, at least right. that I'm seeing, and again, the Israeli system is a little bit different. Girls who go to high school can, within two years after high school, have certifications that are recognized by the government. So you can be a computer programmer, but you don't necessarily have a BA. But there are great programs today where the vast majority of young women who want to be able to have a higher earning power, they do their BA shortly afterwards. Many, many mothers tell me, oh, my daughter's not dating until she's 20 or 21 because we want her to be almost finished with school. In other words, this financial reality has hit everyone. And the truth is, is that in a nice way, many of those families that have beautiful young daughters, they choose careers. If they want to have a husband that's going to be sitting and learning, they choose careers that will be somewhat lucrative and hopefully they're bright enough to be successful in those careers and they put money away and they pay for themselves. And the truth is, is that we're he you hear much more so, I'm saying in the last 10 years, because mothers realize, especially if you have a large family, you're down to your fifth child, you have eight and he's a boy. And you say, okay, I know how hard it was to marry off my daughter. And I know how difficult my neighbor is having a hard time. And I know that this one had to downsize and mortgage off their house so that they could live in a smaller place so that they could help their children get married. And then they say to themselves, one second, well, we can't do this forever. <laughs> Therefore, they empower their daughters. If you want this lifestyle, understand that you will also have to have the, a certain type of education, which will have also ramifications. You won't be home as much. You're definitely going to become, you know, someone that's spending a lot of hours outside of the house. And the truth is, is that young men in today's generation are more and more aware of all of this. I had one young man say to me, I don't, and he was brilliant, brilliant on the scale of things in the day when he got married over 10 years ago. He could have asked, you know, in the, in the selfish way, oh, I want, you know, a girl and a rich father-in-law. He said, I don't want a penny. He said, I saw what my parents had to do to marry off my, my sisters. And that is insane. So people who are thinking clearly understand that there have to be other solutions. And they find them. They find them, hopefully. <laughs> and one of the issues with the shidduch system was that the girls are going out younger, which makes the pool of girls larger than the pool of boys. And there's this disproportionate amount of matches. Therefore creating a lot of single, old-feeling women. 
women who feel yes. like they're so I did not read the whole article, but there was a recent study done just in the last two weeks that it came out where, I forget his name right now, but the statistics Mark after... Nishmar research. Yeah, after five years of study or 10 years of study, I think it was five years of study, basically shows that at a certain age, everything evens out. I know that in Israel, it is much less common. And again, I'm, I'm tilted towards here because I live here, but it is much less common for a girl to go out at 19. You know, having an education, having a plan is very important to many women. And I personally, I think it should be important to all women. Because we have no idea what life is bringing us tomorrow. And we're going to have your daughter on <laughs> to do a podcast about what career options are possible for from for, women. women. But you have to be very focused that girls are actually going out younger and younger. So, no, but if you're saying they're waiting to get their BA, that that's helping the crisis. That's what I'm saying. Meaning maybe that's that's what it is. I mean, I certainly know when I'm dealing. That's a nice side yes. effect. That they're more educated and have a way of supporting a family before they have two kids already who need so much. So they're getting a head start. My extensive experience within the modern Orthodox world is that even the, the right wing modern Orthodox girl, even though there's a lot of talk of dating, right, it is very rare that a couple will get married before they've graduated unless their parents are willing to fully support them. So it's just, it's a different numbers game. In other words, it's a different numbers game. Yes, nobody's talking about buying an apartment, but the parents still have their kids on their insurance and the parents are buying them the car and the parents are paying for their rent and the because the two kids are in school. And certainly today where a, a, a tremendous amount of modern Orthodox men and women are doing master's degrees or, or further, who's supporting them all those years? Most people are getting help. Are there some people that are struggling? Yes. But I don't necessarily know if that's the majority. Again, without a statistical study, there's no way to know. So you're saying the modern Orthodox parents are also supporting them. A hundred percent. not just A hundred percent. But it's not the same idea of... Let's put down a down payment for the house right now. That, that it's not the same. Dowry. Yes, but it, it is the both sides, yeah. you know, and some more and some less. Right. I was just having a conversation with someone who I know who got married. Both he and she are just finished on a bet. They dated in the summer and they got married in the summer. They knew each other a little bit from before, but she's in school. He's learning and they'll do a college program on the side. But until they're on their own feet, it's going to be years. And the parents are paying for their rent and the parents are paying for their food. And that's okay because the parents can do that. But if someone's parents can't do that, it automatically is going to shift your perspective on dating and who you're going to date or who you're going to marry, certainly. Let's talk about older singles. What are the biggest issues you come across and how do you fix them? I think men are going to really not like me now because this is... And this is why I brought you on. <laughs> In my experience, and it doesn't mean everyone, and yes, it is a very subjective reality. If I had to take a cross-section of women ages 29 to 35, I would say the vast majority of women who I meet are like fine wine. They were good to start. Over the years, they made sure that they nurtured themselves. They made sure that they grew and really became a fully flavorful <laughs> glass of wine. Women by nature work on them, work on themselves. Women by nature are always looking for ways to improve. Women by nature are building connections. Unfortunately, in this men are going to hate same. I know huh. it's, but it tends to be true. Also, even just from a young age, girls are always, you have to sit a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. You know, we're not even talking about finishing school that generations ago, not so long ago, young women would have to attend in order to be proper and prim. But that is still the way that certainly within a conservative society and Judaism is a conservative religion in that sense, certainly Orthodox Judaism is conservative in that way. Women are continually just trying to make, you know, themselves better. It doesn't mean that there aren't men that do the same, but I do find that men of a certain age category are more likely to be stuck and are more likely to have a hard time with constructive criticism. And it is more likely that they still have the exact same conception 
of what it is that they're looking for that they did when they were 24, even though now there's 34. And that's, you know, the other piece that I think is so important, sort of trying to build a culture where people who are not married, who have been dating for more than five or seven years, perhaps can begin to look at themselves in the mirror, not in a negative way, but just say, is there something that I can do that will make this dating process better, to make me a better listener, to make me a more sensitive person, to allow me to understand what a woman's needs are. Think on both sides, what ends up happening, both for men and for women, is that the more difficult it is for them to find a mate, even if they theoretically want, or even if they know that they want, the older one gets, the more comfortable one is in their patterns and in their habits and the way that they live. And when you get married young, you don't really know the difference. You've never lived on your own. You never had to worry about what a house was going to look like or not. You didn't even think about it. You know, you're married 20, 21, 22. It's just you're, okay, we're doing this together. But the older a person is and the more of a sense of independence they have, it's, it's very, very difficult. So older singles are hard. And my heart really goes out to the older single women who are always just trying. And uh, I wish the men would try as much. So now everybody's going to throw rotten eggs at my... Um... <laughs> you say it as it is to the people. What do you have to say to people? To men, sometimes it's only in the way that I ask the questions. Meaning I ask them, okay, so now you're 33. What have you learned through your years in Shidduchim? And when a guy can say to me, what do you mean, what did I learn? I'm like, well, he says to me, what, you're asking me why am I not married? And I'm like, no, I'm not asking you why you're not married. I'm, I'm making an assumption that you have a resume, that the people around you care about you and love you, and they only want you to go out with the kind of person that you've said you want to go out with. So what have you learned about the women that you sit opposite, clearly there must be something missing. What's missing? And for some guys, and I'm not exaggerating, been dating six, seven, eight years, they never had anybody ask them that question. Most of them will just say, what do you mean? Like, just didn't happen yet. Wasn't the right time. My Bashir, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, when Hashem wants it to happen, it'll happen. And from a religious perspective, I am also a Jewish educator. I find that to be, it's not just mine, Revolba in his Sefer Ali Shur says that people hide behind the phrase in Mirza Hashem, God willing, a little bit too much sometimes. It takes away from their own personal responsibility. What are you doing to make the shift? What are you doing? And women can hear that. It doesn't mean that they haven't tried lots of things, and that can even be more frustrating you know, women are told, you know, look this way, act this way, speak this way. Don't tell them that you're too smart. Don't, you know, it's like it goes on and on. You don't want to scare them away. But the reality is, is that the men have to also really want to get married. And they may not understand what really what getting married is and what having a relationship is. And that would go back to, again, a whole different conversation just in terms of within the Orthodox world. Is there enough education, healthy education about healthy relationships? and expectations of marriage and what is the Torah perspective on all of these things. Really? Because I feel like there's an abundance of that kind of education. Well, right now there's more, but it's hitting younger people. It's much more in the last five years, seven years. Right. It's offered to adults, to married adults. And much more so. There's a lot of training in Tarat Mishpacha, family purity laws, and definitely Yeshivot today in the modern Orthodox world are much more aware of it in the last, you know, like I said, five to 10 years. I, I'm not always a big believer that when you're 18, you need to be talking about marriage. But if it's done in small amounts, just to plant the seeds of what healthy relationships mean, then hopefully, you know, these young men won't, won't get to the stage of not having found their right one because they didn't really understand what they were looking for, what they needed. So, Are there any other nuggets? We have a lot of men, some of them are single, <laughs> listening to this show. This is your opportunity. My opportunity. Okay. You had also asked me like, what can make a good shotgun. And I was thinking about it a lot. And 
it goes back a little bit to that when that mother calls me, especially when she calls me about a, a young man and she says, you know, under no circumstances will he come meet you. Okay, again, if it's a 21-year-old boy who's sitting and learning in yeshiva all day long, it's weird. It's just weird within the Haredi world. But when it's somebody from a modern Orthodox background whose mother is trying to find him dates, but he's not willing to take the time to come and meet me, it really is a sign that he is not self-aware. And many men may listen to this and know who I am and say, oh, I met that lady. Right. She never set me up with anybody. Okay. Maybe I didn't. And maybe it was three years ago. And maybe you need to do what we call more hishtadlik. You have to put in a little more effort and you have to send me. I always say, send me a message, Erev Shabbat, right? Before Shabbos. Or send me a message before Rosh Chodesh and say, hi, Mrs. Katz. I don't know if you remember me, but because the fact of the matter is, is that even Shadchanim, that no, everybody is dedicated. Anybody who's a Shadchan is de dedicating bizarre hours and energy to try and help people. And I have literally been bombarded and rudely spoken to by only by men. You never set me up. What's wrong? Like as if there's something wrong with me. Well, I, it's not my place to maybe say, this is exactly the reason why I'm not setting you up, <laughs> right? Because there was something, not always that is that the case, but you know, I'm trying my best. You know, I'm really, really trying my best and everybody is trying their best. And I still would say better to have no date than to have a bad date. But um, I don't think that that would be a good banner or slogan to sell my skills. <laughs> do, you, do you find that there's an issue with lack of personality? If someone. Or, or hide your personality because we want you to, to get married. And then you look exactly the same as everyone else. Whereas if we encouraged specifically I, I guess in Haredi communities young or in any communities if they're getting married younger to just have more of a personality so there's what to work with do you feel like right you're so working with sometimes many times if a person is young and they're underdeveloped like sometimes I'll have students and they'll be like oh you're gonna set me up you know maybe they're shunned a bed I'm like well you're like a children that hasn't been cooked yet <laughs> I think all the parts are there but it's going to take a little time to, you know, to bring to bring the flavors out. Um, it's not 100 percent true, but the younger a person is, the less experience you've had in life. Yes, you're more vanilla. You really are. Um, I am even though I personally I will say I got married young. I, I was the oldest of a big family. I was, you know, my third year out of high school. My parents were not necessarily pushing it at all, but I am certainly at this point a very strong advocate that women should if they're planning on having some type of a career try and get as much of their education out of the way have other types of experiences before they are in a very serious relationship because that relationship will then begin to mold your reality and the question always is is are you sure of who you are there are people that are sure of who they are. And obviously personal growth and development can last in a lifetime. But um, but the more a person has become self-aware, the more they have to give to another human being. And the deeper the love will be and the deeper the care will be and the deeper that the relationship will be. So back to the original question. An introvert always has a harder time. Because when they sit on a shidduch date, it is the worst situation for them that they could ever, as it is, they're an introvert, even in their own home. Now put them into a setting where they don't know the person. And within a like an hour, somebody has, or the first date, an hour or two, somebody has to decide, do I like you enough to even meet you again? And those that have those quieter and shy personalities have a very, very hard time in the beginning while they're dating um, and can't say that they don't get married earlier, but it's a different kind of a mix. It's obviously much easier, the low hanging fruit, the very talkative, the very outgoing, the very interesting person um, has more of a variety of uh, more chances of being set up. Not necessarily getting married. That is, that is correct. And you should know it is the same thing. Again, I never did a study, but 
it is very, very interesting that many people have told me, you know, you'll meet a woman who is just gorgeous and talented and capable. And you're just saying to yourself, like, why didn't she get married? Right. Why didn't she get married? And the truth is, is that she, when she was younger and maybe even now, gets lots and lots of dates. But sometimes always knowing that there's someone else out there doesn't allow you to really focus on the here and now. And if I had to say one of the things that I really dislike about the shuttle system, and maybe I can make a public plea, <laughs> is when a shotgun gives a guy, usually it's the guys that will get two, three, four, five names all at once, right? What is that shotgun saying? That shotgun is saying basically, you're a toyster. The shotgun is saying, you're a toyster. You are the consumer. You can get whatever you want. And if that shotgun had a daughter in Shidduchim and knew that someone not only gave her daughter's resume, but her neighbor and her friend and, the, and then this one, all at once, basically saying, now you choose who is the mostest. So what are we looking for? If we're, are we looking for the most money? Are we looking for the prettiest? Are we looking for the smartest? Are we look like, what are we looking for? What makes a good spouse? I just think that if someone has an idea, then the idea should come from a good place. And if, it, and which I think that they do, don't get me wrong. Even if somebody, even if there are shotgunim that are giving five, they, well, we they have a parent who went, who seven shotgunim reached out to them because their son just finished or graduated or <laughs> just came back. So the mother has 10 and selected right from 20 Shalchanim who are just dying to set, dying to set them up. Because he's so there is an economic piece there because, you know, one of the things that I have found over the years, unless somebody comes to me through someone I really know, they're like, I don't want to talk to you after the date because I know you're just want us to get married. You know, you'll just want me to get married and you're not going to be honest with me. So I'm like, listen, I can't work with somebody who's not willing to trust me. And trust me, if anybody who knows me would say the thing that I would also do is break a couple up or point out to them that there's something that I think that needs to be worked on if I felt halfway through that there was something amiss. Like, it's not just about getting people married. It's about allowing two people to see whether or not they can build a healthy relationship when they're married. And so there's no brownie points for, for lots of marriages. It, there really isn't. Some people have a tremendous amount of mazel, and uh, I've spent a lot of time, but you also have to ask them how many divorces. I, and not to say that some of my couples didn't get divorced, but I'm one of the things that I'm very, you know, I'm thankful for that even though obviously in 20 years of making Shidduchim, there were divorces, none of them were quick divorces. I mean, and sometimes you just don't know. I mean, it's not, I don't think I know any more than somebody else does, but okay, people are married five, 10 years and you get divorced. Like it, you know, it happens, but. I really try to work with people who are very focused and are real and are genuine. That's part of the lesson. That's part of what people need in going into Shidduchim is, am, am I my truest me? You know, and I'll tell, I'll tell a girl or a guy, maybe very disappointed after, you know, a couple of weeks of dating, like, it's so upsetting. I really liked her. And I'm like, listen, you have so much to offer someone. And if someone, if that person sitting opposite you can't see you for who you are and you know that on all of your dates you presented the best you that you are and the honest you that you are then okay it's not meant, it's not that it's not meant to be because of some heebie-jeebie thing it's not meant to be because they aren't appreciating it's not your person exactly it's not your person and that's you know going back to the vanilla or the whatever sometimes i think it's much harder for people that have less of a delineated personality yet Maybe they don't even know, they don't even know who they are. And that, you know, maybe they'll grow and they'll grow up. But the more ready you are for marriage is, the, the better it is. We live in a day and age, and I'm sure this has always happened, but with social media especially, if anything bad happens and a name of a family is ruined, let's take Chaim Walder's family, for example, right? Yes. I'm sure they're children and grandchildren, potentially. And they will all need Shaduchim. And they are not at fault mm -hmm. for what their father did mm -hmm. to so many people mm -hmm. and how many lives he ruined. Mm -hmm. Had 
if somebody calls you up, how do they get married in the shidduch system? That's my question. So I will tell you, there are obviously different levels of wrongdoings. I actually made a shidduch for a guy whose father was in jail for white-collar crime. That, of course, and I hope it's true, that he didn't do but was framed. You know, unfortunately, there's always... And how do you explain to an upstanding girl's family that this really great yeshiva guy who really on his own merit is a great person, but his father's not going to be at the wedding because he's in jail. So you don't even have to go to the extent of some of the more severe cases. There are a lot of things that are difficult. And I'm at the moment, I think I'm going to avoid the Chaim Walder question just because that topic in and of itself may be more triggering than something like being in jail for white collar crime for various reasons. Again, that doesn't mean that every family will go out, will allow their daughter go out with a guy whose father is in jail for a crime, but I think it's a little bit different. And that guy got married to a beautiful family and very happy. What was wrong with her family? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. It happened to be that I, I know the family and I, mean, I knew the girl's family. And I basically described the boy first face to face also, not a phone call, meaning, you know, my husband would say this is not very economical the way you spend your time. And I met with the parents face to face and I explained, you know, who he was. And then I explained the situation and they were big enough people. I think that also helps that when the f other family is not in Israel. When you're both in Israel and everybody knows each other, it's much harder. Or if you're from a different part of the country and it's not something that everybody talked about every minute of the day in the grocery and in shul and, you know, at the Sunday at the park. And they understood and they talked to, you know, they said to their daughter, who was really too young to even know what the difference was. He's a good guy. He's a nice family. The family's together. Okay, I won't meet his father for 10 years or, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and he's not the only one. That had that kind of a story. Another family also. And it's a different type of a family, meaning the families that are willing to be open to something which isn't perfect, many times are very chesed-oriented families. They're families that are involved in the community in a way where they are sensitive and understand that not everything that happens right to a parent should be dumped on the child. And obviously, they're very unique people, right? Both in both situations where somebody was incarcerated, a, a father was incarcerated at the time. And the guys were amazing and their families were amazing. And a very sad thing happened to them. They were collateral damage. There are obviously, like I said, I think that there are more triggering topics. And it's much harder for those guys and girls to get dates. And so many times one family has something, another family has something, and that at least opens them up to shidduchim. This is very not politically correct if we were only dealing with a Haredi audience, but it's specifically in these kinds of situations where having more opportunities to meet casually, but in a from context, in other words, within a protected from context, would help because you're not being judged right away just because of who, you know, what went on in your family life. And that's something that I think that people are trying to do more, speed dating and this and that. But it's hard. It's hard in a sheltered from community. People aren't, it's not the norm for young men and women of a certain religious level to just be meeting casually. So it is definitely harder for them. Well, this was such a fun conversation, really informative and enjoyable. I'll just say one more thing, though. No one ever asked me about the color of the tablecloth. So I think it's either a Brooklyn Flatbush thing or it's a myth. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you are spreading the word about this podcast to your friends and family. This is the number one way our show grows. You can also rate and review this podcast on whichever app you listen to it. If you are looking to launch a podcast or you know someone who is, please send them to my DIY course. If you'd like to join the WhatsApp discussion group, send me a message. I'll invite you in to join in the active conversations we have around very dynamic and interesting topics. If you'd like to be a sponsor of a future episode or episodes, please do reach out. 
I am taking sponsorships now in 2023, and I'd love to help you spread your message, your brand, the work that you do with your organization to our audience here. The Francisca Show is a part of Jewish Coffee House Network, so check out the other podcasts on the network, such as Orthodox Conundrum, Let My People Eat, Intimate Judaism, and Chochmat Nashim. Lastly, this is your chance to participate in the survey for Nishma Research on what issues you think our Jewish community should prioritize. So click on the link in the show notes and have a fantastic week.